Welcome to episode number 82 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We are recording on August the 30th, 2020. My name is Eric. I'm the host of the show based in Southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. As a first responder, I've witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events, and I started a small preparedness company to help people get better prepared and be able to look after themselves for at least 72 hours, if not longer. Well, greetings from yet another undisclosed location. My name is Ian, and I live on Vancouver Island normally. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sport shooter, and my farm's designated handyman. Just trying to outrun the COVID, huh? That's right. <laughs> uh, if you want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air, you can buy a Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt at prepperpodcast.ca. You can also visit prepperpodcast.ca slash support to see uh, Amazon products that we recommend or sign up and become a Patreon. All the proceeds help keep the lights on and the back of generator fueled. All right. If you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes to like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad, or if there's just a topic you want us to cover. We're getting short of topics, actually. So if, uh, <laughs> if you want us to contribute a couple of good topics, we need some. Uh, you can Great. certainly email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. And we've got some pulsing, of course, not throbbing, content for you in this episode. Uh, we're going to start off with some preparedness-related news articles. Next, we'll let you know what we've done for our preparedness since our last episode, and then we're going to get into the main topic, Electro- electromagnetic pulses explained, and I'm happy I got through that without laughing. It's pretty let's good. Move into some, let's move into some news. <laughs> All right. Uh, repeat of the previous episode, I actually put the old Farb- Forbes article on uh, high-altitude EMP. It basically is a bit of a, a catch-all article. It talks about everything from... Uh, actual man-made electronic uh, electromagnetic pulses to naturally occurring ones and yay president trump so he actually uh, decided to open up a commission and start spending some money on seeing how the white house can prepare for the uh, threat of emp so um yeah good for him and it's been ongoing now for a couple of years so um hopefully they've made some progress all right i've got uh, a news article here that i battled for and successfully won so <laughs> Uh, I've got a, uh, an article that touches on uh, saving weather radio. So if uh, you've been listening to that in the last little while, apparently um, Weather Service Canada is looking at decommissioning some of the repeaters that uh, provide weather information and updates to people via uh, radio, so via VHF. And uh, they're looking at decommissioning it in areas that have uh, reliable internet and cellular service, citing that their apps and their website is accessible and easy to use, so they don't need to broadcast information via radio system. Uh, there is also a link that we shared on the Facebook page in regards to a uh, petition that's going on to stop that from occurring. Uh, but there's a, a link here in regards to uh, one of the repeaters that are looking to decommission, and they, they cite that they'll save about uh, 12000 a year in decommissioning it. So. Um, my thoughts on that are they start decommissioning the ones in the areas with uh, with reliable internet, whatever you, you deem that to be, and uh, slowly they're going to start decommissioning all of them to the point that um, they won't exist anymore. So, Yeah, not, not, that, not that I want to switch over to the other podcast for a second per se, but I mean, yeah, if they got $850 million to give away to the Who uh, just this year alone, they probably got enough money to maintain these repeaters. But uh, yeah. more to your point, I mean... The, the repeater that actually is sitting on top of uh, one of the local ski hills in Vancouver provides weather information, yes, to the city of Vancouver, but it also provides stuff to the other side of that hill. There's absolutely no cell service. So yep. especially in like hilly country and everything else, it doesn't take much to get out of cell range, as you know. Um, nope. so, so basically, as soon as you round a corner <laughs> and you're out of line of sight of that cell tower, you're done. And uh, there's a lot of these repeaters that are providing like service not just to cities but also to to sparsely settled areas so i think that this is a slippery slope and will it just be for testing your intent um you know even direction finding if it came down to it if you want to find your way home there's just a, there's actually a, more than just one purpose to these things i don't think you'd be shutting any of them down at this point no and i find it to be uh, a little bit more updated as far as information goes and a little bit more reliable and accurate information and as well if there's some kind of major event that's going to be happening it's broadcast all the time so it's it's a nice resource to have and it's it's something that i find very useful so i'd hate to see it disappear so uh, check out our, our facebook page there's a link there for the petition if you're interested in signing it and uh, read the news article as well if you're uh, if it's something you're interested in yeah especially like and, that you know what when do they ever ask government yeah Exactly. <laughs> you had another one there? Uh, so I got another one here. It is from iHeartRadio, and it's News Talk 1010. It's in regards to a uh, an incident uh, last night. So uh, 
that would be the, the 29th of August. Uh, there's a, a peaceful protest going on in Toronto uh, in regards to uh, business owners just protesting the uh, the building of an LRT in the area. Uh, police were present for the protest. Everything was peaceful. Everything was fine. Um, a person not involved in the protest ends up jumping on a vehicle. Uh, police intervened. A uh, second person attends and starts fighting with the officers. And the next thing you know, the protest turns into a mob mentality. And uh, at the end of the day, seven officers end up sent to hospital with uh, with injuries. Um just a reminder that uh, you know if you're you're out and about in in the bigger cities or the smaller ones with all the protests that are slowly starting to pop up uh, all over the place now, mob mentality can go very quickly from peaceful and, and everything's good to uh, hey let's go get that guy. So keep your head on a swivel if you you end up in the area where there's a protest going on. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified that because it didn't sound too peaceful after it's all said and yeah. done there. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it certainly looks like it turned into quite the, the mob mentality and uh, it, it's very quick for peaceful demonstrations uh, to all of a sudden switch into not so peaceful. So I thought it was a, a good example for uh, for everyone to see that, that it, how quickly it can change. Well, especially for the people that say it can't happen in Canada versus the States. So yeah. know, we're no better, no worse. Yep, so. it's starting to happen here. Yeah. All right, so let's move into what we've done lately for preps. Completely unrelated note, we are looking for a sponsor. So if anybody wants to... Yes. I think we lost you there, Ian. Oh. Oh, you're back. Okay, cool. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so we are looking for a sponsor. If uh, if anyone is interested in sponsoring this section, we'd uh, we'd like to hear from you. Uh, so for myself, uh, I finished off the first round of canning. Uh, so I got a bunch of hot peppers and uh, some stuff from the garden, cucumbers from the garden, and I made a couple of jars of dill pickles and a couple of jars of uh, hot peppers just to preserve the hot peppers because I won't go through them as quickly as the number of the ones that I got off the, the plant. Uh, reorganized my go bag. Uh, so getting ready to swap it out for uh, winter items. Uh, this is prompted by leaving it out in the rain. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, it's in the back of the truck and... Uh, left the uh the back cover there for the truck open and uh the skies opened up a little bit not ready for that to happen didn't look like it was going to rain and all of a sudden it was so it was time to go through it anyways and reorganize it and swap some stuff out so and and dry it out because well it got rained on so uh and then speaking of water i also brought in some professionals to uh redo our sump pump system the uh the flow in the basement into our sump pump uh pit has increased significantly over the last couple of months here and it was time to bring someone in to have a look at it to see what exactly was going on and um, put in a new system and a backup pump so that uh, we prevent any kind of basement flood because uh, I might have some prep stuff down there. I don't want floating. Yeah, that'd be bad. Yeah, um, that would not be good. And I, I guess that's covered by your backup generator as well. But that's one of those things where you don't have yep. want to have it not powered. Yes. Yeah. When they came in, that was the first thing they said is, what's your plan for for backup? And I went, oh, yeah, don't worry. Got that covered. Yeah. So they're like, oh, okay, so we don't have to put a battery backup in this. Nope. Got a generator in the back, and if it stops running, well, we got bigger problems to worry about. So, Well, that's actually good that they actually have battery backup systems in mind for those yep. things. That's actually a good idea. Yeah, I was, I was impressed with the, set, the setup that they did have. Uh, would run off of a battery, um, and there's two different pumps, and then a backup DC pump that's just a small little one that would run for quite a significant period of time. So it was good to know they're, they're thinking like that, but uh, already got it covered off. So cool. didn't need to spend a couple, couple more thousand on the setup. Cool. They, of course, charge for the uh, the convenience having backup. Yeah, of course. Uh, let me know if I cut out here for sure. But yeah. um, so uh, if we remember way back, episode 37, which I had to look back at, it's, it was uh, dated September 27th. So I probably did it about a week before that. I tried what they call glassing eggs. Uh, that was yep. uh, taking pickling lime and throwing a bunch of eggs in water and seeing how long they were going to be preserved. So the wife and I threw in seven dozen eggs into the bucket through the pickling lime and we let them sit in my closet and about two weeks ago i guess i started to notice a funky smell and i was like "Uh oh maybe i left it a little <laughs> too long and so what happened though is we opened it up or my wife opened it up all the eggs were fine except for one and it turns out that yeah. what happened was is we put an egg in there with a hairline crack and still took nine months but or well 10 months i guess um and then still uh, only that one egg went off and basically what she went to go touch the egg it just disintegrated instantly. It was oh. actually kind of funny. So, but the rest of the eggs remained perfectly good. So we pulled all the eggs out and we uh, we hard boiled them just to take a look and you know see if they were like edible or this stinky or anything else. They were all good. 
So uh, yeah, I lost of one egg over like better part of a year. And so, yeah, all for the sake of basically one little package of pickling lime. That's awesome. I wasn't yeah. quite sure exactly how that was going to work out. Yeah, so uh, it worked yeah. out well, and we, we fed some of the dogs first, and then the chickens and everything else to make sure that, you know, we were, like, making a mistake. Yep. But, yeah, we, so as far as a non-refrigerated, uh, shelf-stable, cheap way to, to preserve eggs, uh, and you don't have to, like, heat it up or anything, it's just, like, room-temperature water, um, that is certainly a way to go. So uh, if anyone, anybody wants to check out pickling eggs, or, sorry, uh, pickling lime to what they call glass eggs, it's, uh, it's certainly a way to do it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so we continued with the inventory that we were doing here with all of our supplies in, in anticipation of the you-know-what in the, in the, in the uh, fall there. Uh, the second wave. Ooh. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, just uh, continuing on, because, I mean, you're always picking from the inventory and you kind of forget to update it. And before yep. you know it, you think you got five gallons of peanut butter and you got one jar and everything else. So anyways, it's always it's a lot of peanut butter never enough peanut butter really <laughs> uh let's see here i picked up a new toy cabela's they had a little sale going on there so uh, a little plinker toy that uh for maybe we'll see events that hopefully i'll go back and do a couple more uh a poor workman you know blames his tools when he screws up but i actually did have a legit scope issue so um i sent in the scope for uh, warranty work from vortex because just like fiskars and everything else the warranty is unconditional lifetime warranty for uh, vortex scopes so it's on the way there for a fix. Uh, let's see here. Planning a new build for uh, my 22 next time. For If I go to another Maple Seed event, probably next year. And uh, if they have another one on the island. So that should be fun. I'll probably give a progress on that over the course of the year. Um, knock down some trees for next year. So had still working on that fire break. Art. Uh, let's see here, I cut up some more deadfall that would already come down in some storms. I actually had one come down on me in the middle of the night about two weeks ago. Woke me up from a dead sleep, so I had to cut up that one. And then I uh, started some preliminary plans for a solar system, uh, inspired by our last guest there. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sad that I missed that episode, but I listened to it, and I'm thinking about the same now. Yeah, I missed about 80% of it myself, even though I was trying to be on it. But uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, I just I thought I'd just do a quick like a battery backup system just to charge phones and do everything else in case I'm not immediately around to start the generators and everything else. Um, just as a, a kind of a proof of concept thing, and then maybe we'll work yep. out from there. Yeah, may as well start small, right, and, and build the system from there. It sounds like they're scalable from, from what I was listening to on the episode. So. Well, yeah, or at least if you have different purposes or everything else, it's all... Yeah. That was pretty much the theory. Yeah, that's pretty much it for me, though. All right. Well, maybe we'll move into uh, the main topic of the show then. All right. So a quick recap. So we did the EMP episode before, back in episode 15, I think it was. We were new to the game. Yeah, we were new to the game. I think it was just Alan and I, maybe. I can't remember who else was on there. But um, yeah, we were just kind of touched on it briefly. But I mean, it's certainly a a known phenomenon. It's a prepper favorite. Oh, is it ever? So we, it yep. doesn't hurt to touch on it a few times, probably. But uh, no. yeah, so it's it's something we've talked about since, uh, or Pepper World has talked about since basically 1962. It was confirmed by both the Russians and the Americans as a problem. Um, I said, we'll just give a quick Cole's notes kind of recap here, and then we'll get into some more stuff here. But yep. at nation, either at high altitude or even in the vicinity, uh, a solar flare. Or now yep. you can even have uh, these small EMP weapons called a uh, hemp or champ or anything else uh, that's being designed as we speak. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the funny thing is they've got air, air, uh, airborne versions. They've got satellite versions. Yeah. They've got all these things. They've got like truck mounted versions now. Um, it's mm. kind of crazy, actually. That's not a red flag. I don't know what is. Yeah. So... Yeah. Couple key points for EMPs, though. Uh, like I said, that's just a bit of a recap. So it, they work on line of sight. So if there is an EMP high altitude, the higher the altitude, the larger the reach it's going to have. But in reality, it's like uh, generally localized to a continent or smaller, depending on the height of the uh, detonation. But if it's a solar flare, it could it sun right? Yeah. Um, the waves or the energy that's traveling for either one of these things is going to travel faster than a surge protector can protect. So if it is a gamma ray uh, wave coming from a nuclear explosion, 
your surge protector is going to react about oh, 10 times slower than the, the, the burst of radiation goes by. So by the time it's actually sensing something that's a problem, the circuits have already been blown through. So unfortunately, um, a lot of people think they're safe with, with surge protection and stuff like that, but no, won't happen. Uh, so fuses will still be intact even on a lot of them. Just, uh, yeah, unfortunately, the, the microchips and stuff will, will suffer. Uh, let's see, another reminder, the bigger the circuit, the bigger the antenna. So, yep. for example, if you're thinking like power lines leading to a substation, antenna, right? Yep. Uh, sure but if you got a compact fluorescent bulb or just an LED, if you look inside the little circuit boards on those things, the, like, the little circuit boards on there are like super small. So the antenna, like the electrical size of the antenna is actually quite small. So there's a lot of talk going back and forth about what's going to be affected and what's not. But there's um, there's three pulses that have to go by on an EMP with that's uh, man-made at least uh, E one through three. It's a bit of nerd talk here, but uh, <laughs> basically travel different speeds, different durations uh, to sum it up, and each one's going to have a different effect on machinery. But long story short, once all three roll through, which <laughs> got some yeah, severe damage toast. going. Yeah, you're yeah. toast. <laughs> um, solar part, coronal mass ejection, also. Crazy massive ejaculation from the sun? I don't know. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so somebody asked me what CME stood for the other day, and I was like, crazy massive? Mm. Oh, never mind. Yeah, um, yeah also known as solar flares. Uh, the interesting thing about uh, CMEs versus the EMPs is that they are going to happen. It's not a may happen yeah. or depends on how the political uh, state of the, the Earth is doing. It's uh, mathematically, it's a certainty. It's just a... You know, it, it depends on which side of the Earth is facing the sun at the time. Uh, if the solar flare happens to go in the direction of Earth and everything else. It's uh, a matter of when, not if. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I put an article in the notes there that basically the couple key points of this the CMEs is that they're a longer duration than um, EMPs. So they're going to be like sit there ionizing the atmosphere for quite a while. Um, and I mentioned there, it's a 12% chance of one happening in the next 10 years, which is insignificant, yeah. I suppose. Uh, interesting thing is too, is even on like a, a missile strike, uh, where you're going to have at least 45 minutes notice of somebody who's actually sending an EMP over theoretically. Um, this one, you'll have eight minutes, uh, assuming that you have a hotline to the astronomy or like the stereo observatory that's watching the sun and they tell you first. Yep. <laughs> chances are you don't have that <laughs> so yeah based on the the, the the speed that the CME would travel from the, the sun and the distance from the earth yeah you're looking at about 8 minutes um, we did talk a little bit about the Carrington event we did yeah so uh, that was the largest geomagnetic storm geomagnetic storm on record that was been 1859 um, interesting enough because the duration of it it was actually able to energize the telegraph lines and provide power for the systems to work without actual power hookups for hours on end. So if you can imagine the amount of electricity that was sending out. That's a fair amount. Yeah. So uh, that's a bit of a problem. Effects, yeah. I think uh, you're going to talk about that probably more than I will, but uh, anything with a computer, right? Yeah. Basically, cashless society's gone, right? That's it. ATM's gone. Your, uh, your, your debit card, Visa card, None of the machines are going to be able to operate to uh, do any of those transactions. So uh, we're back to cash, right? yeah. cash and, you know, gold, silver, all that kind of stuff. If that's something that people are willing to trade for. But besides that, internet's down. All the communications are down. You're not going to be able to use anything but cash. Yeah. I mean, the interwebs itself. I mean, I've heard of one or two yeah. things run on the internet. So, you know. Yeah, one or two. I think these things called podcasts. <laughs> no more podcasts. Wait a minute. Yeah, I mean everything from logistical supply chains to you know traffic systems yeah. to you know like I don't air traffic control systems, everything else. No computers. No no good luck with that. And I mean most airplanes. When you think about it that way too, I mean how many of the computers are on yeah. board the average airplane nowadays? Well, do you include the ones everybody brings on with them? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, a lot of problems. Um, yeah. Lots of because we're so relied on on those items now too, right? Yeah. All of a sudden they're gone. Now what? Well, uh, yeah. The other problem too is the actual replacement time. So these things get busted yeah. by an EMP, 
And you've got solid state transformers, very few moving parts, but they're just like a, a solid, individually designed transformer. Transformers are all the same. Based on the power coming in from either the dam or the nuclear plant or whatever, they all have specific electrical uh, specifications that you know require you know are required for that substation. So basically, when you order a new a replacement one, you're talking like a six to eight month lead time to show up. So if you had a bunch of these things go out, and of course they're all made in China they, or yep. overseas at least, they're gonna have to like be made and then they're gonna have to be shipped over. Everything else, so like the whole idea of like a, a quick fix after an EMP is is no. completely ludicrous, right? Yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So uh, and of course, half those ships delivering those large transformers were on GPS to get here. Oh, it's a computer. Look at that. And no, and GPS. <laughs> it's a constellation of satellites, but you need yeah. at least four to get a fix. But in reality, like should be no less than thirteen on one side of the Earth at any given time. So whether it be a CME or an EMP. All those GPS satellites are going to be offline, and so, your GPS receiver is going to be fried too. And your GPS receiver is fried. So uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but just a quicker rule of thumb: the bigger the substation component that you're going to see blow out, the longer the replacement time. So yep. you know, if you see a little, you know, street side transformer go, that's one thing. They probably have you know hundreds of spares floating around, but in reality, those big giant ones, there's another power dams. If one of those goes, yeah, it's it's done for a while. Yep. Yeah, so if uh, I think I touched on this on the last episode too, if I was Doctor Evil, I would plan to do one in the spring uh, because people have already eaten the crops. Nothing's been planted yet in the spring. If, there's, if uh, EMP goes off, you wouldn't be able to plant those crops, fertilize them, or anything, or harvest them at that point um, before you get any repairs done. So you'd miss an entire growing season. So I mean, I think last time we did this show, the uh, there was a six-week lead time on food supply worldwide, yep. but I've I can't I didn't get a reference for it I, before the show started, but I'm ninety percent sure that they said we're actually down to about three statistically, uh, three weeks lead time, thanks to the corona. So I mean, uh, basically with you know temporary foreign workers not showing up, and a couple other missed seasons, you know, a couple hurricanes here and there, a couple of rice paddies getting uh, thrown out of whack, and everything else, we've actually got like a pretty critically low food supply like uh surplus right now so yep so if you can imagine if the north american bread basket is offline for just a year you're gonna have a problem oh yeah it was it was offline just for a little bit there with corona and we were seeing a little bit of panic for food right yeah but let's get to the fun part of the episode this yeah yeah so some emp proof items best one on the list firearms Yay! <laughs> I mean, think about it. Like anything mechanical, like yeah. you know, the old style watches, like wind up watches yeah. and firearms and yeah. that don't require like electronics. Like I mean, they, I remember I was seeing an article on those uh, firearms that they had that had electronic triggers and stuff like. <laughs> Why would I ever want one of those? No. But uh, yeah, that is certainly one. Uh, and then, of course, uh, bullets. Need those for the firearms. You do. Yeah, they don't get touched uh, off by EMPs either. So no, no. So uh, uh, cash, gold, and silver. So like we mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, there. As soon as the the EMP knocks out uh, any kind of electronics in the area, your ATMs are gone, your uh, your point of sale systems are gone. Everything's offline basically. So really, one of your your main ways to obtain new goods besides bartering with other goods that you do have is going to be cash. Although. Uh, um- one thing I learned in that, I think I was stuck in a Halifax power outage last year. Half these places can't even take cash anymore because they have to run the thing through the till to, to update the inventory. And heaven forbid anybody do math in their head. Well, yeah. I mean, what, think of the average like you know high school graduate now, what they're teaching in math. I mean, they're not going to be able to do 5% GST and 8% PST no. or whatever your local thing is. I, I can't but, do that in my head. <laughs> but more importantly, like I said, like they can't update their, their in-store inventory, which is what their entire store yep. just-in-time delivery system works on. So they don't want to sell you anything. So you might have cash and they might have a good that they're, they're willing to sell, but in reality they can't because it would fuck with their, sorry, ah, dang it, wrong I'll, show. I'll hit the explicit button. <laughs> <laughs> it, would, it would mess with their, um, it would mess with their inventory and or, or some orders for next week. Yep. So yeah, cash is like person yeah. change. Yeah, it's good to have some on hand, but it might not be useful. You might be uh, stuck to just bartering, depending on the way things operate in your area. 
Uh, another uh, another thing, uh, EMP proof items is tools. Of course, not power tools, but uh, your hand tools. So make sure you have some of those on hand. <laughs> yeah, well, and a good place to get that is like the ReStore or like, yep. you know, Goodwill next to new, whatever you would call your local store. Garage sales. Garage sales, because there's yep. usually some guy clearing out his old hand tools. And uh, yep. yeah, I mean, they're cheap, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Take them, put them in a drawer somewhere, and then next thing you know, something happens, you've got them. Carol brings up a good point on the listener chat there that the uh, barter system will always survive and prevail. Indeed. Absolutely. Yep. So EMP. It's been around for as long as humans have been. Yeah. Chickens don't get affected by EMP, surprisingly. Wow, look at that. <laughs> They're not uh, chicken yet. Yeah, that's right. Uh, quick question from John, too. Uh, <laughs> off topic, but I was wondering how long plastic bottled water stays good. We did talk on that on the water episode, didn't we? I believe we did. Yeah, we did touch on that. It's and Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say it really depends on um, really the, where you're storing it. And if there's any kind of light that penetrates into it, that will help degrade it. Uh, but if you're keeping it in kind of a, a dark area, I, you know, I think you can almost keep it indefinitely. I don't know if my camera's working yet or not, Eric, but uh, it is. Like, so this little you know bottled water right here, this is, uh, they claim that their plastic is made out of like vegetables whatever um yeah, okay. if then say a different type of plastic um you have to worry about plastic leaching into the water you have to worry about yeah. a bunch of other things but generally years not months that's for sure i mean uh as far as bottled water goes you're gonna have a long time to to worry about that yeah it's just a matter of where you're storing it yeah and what you're storing it in that was a good point that's true yeah like i said some some containers will degrade faster than others but yeah uh, some other things that are emp proof so books uh not Everybody. to be confused with ebooks though no yeah no if, you, if you've got it on your tablet or your your ebook reader or whatever um you're going to want to have that in uh, a faraday cage or an emp box or something which we'll touch on later uh but yeah actual paper books if uh people remember what those are well and the other thing i've been actually meaning to do doing it but there's a couple of critical PDF files that I'd, have to, that I'd love to print off, like whether it be like generator manuals or whatever. Yep. And, you know, rather than lose them if, in case there's a power outage extended or on EMP or anything else, I'd probably be, be well served to print off a lot of these things just to have it in the binder, shove it in a closet somewhere or whatever, just to have them handy, but yeah. guilty. Yeah, I've done the same. I've got a lot of electronic versions of stuff and I, I kind of built that into my system and, yeah, if, if I lose the computers or the electronic devices, then I lose the documents. So I have to do the same. I have to find a way to print off the most important ones, the ones I think I'm going to need, and find somewhere to store it. Yeah. Uh, medication. Again, well, EMP proof. Yeah, as long as it doesn't need to be refrigerated. Well, yeah, and we're, yeah, then you're in trouble. Because, uh, well, one of those books you mentioned there, uh, yeah. One Second After, the, one of the ongoing yeah. problems was the uh, refrigerating his daughter's insulin, right? Yep. Yeah, I was leaning more towards just like pill form and, and such like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, as soon as you're throwing it in a, in a fridge or something, yeah, you're you're in trouble. Yeah. Um, most first aid items, again, there's no electronics there. So we're kind of rambling off a list of stuff that's probably already going to be in your go bag or, or your emergency kit of some sort. Um, but it also paper. reinforces the fact that this is what you should have for a general yep. pile of stuff too, right? Absolutely. Um, water and food, same thing. Um, just keeping in mind that if you have to somehow cook that food, well, you're going to have to start a fire of some sort because your other electronics are not going to be working, like your stove or your microwave. So, well, and the it's going to go up in value a heck of a lot more if something like this does go off, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, an analog AM or FM crank radio. Yeah, as soon as I saw that that you've written that one down, I was like, oh, because my emergency crank radio actually is a digital tuner. Ah, yeah, so, so it's fried. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you want to find something that's uh, that's completely analog, uh, and then the same with a clock or a watch. Um, if you want to continue keeping time, keeping uh, keeping ahead of the time or knowing what time it is, uh, find uh, an analog clock or a watch or something, and then uh, you'll still know for a while at least what time it is. Well, that's where that uh, Goodwill trip uh, to the thrift store, or whatever. Uh, you know those little alarm clocks that you have wind up in the back. If you find one of those, that'd be a pretty, a pretty good, pretty good catch at this point. Oh yeah, 
Uh, John in the live chat mentions um, firearms guys don't think of night vision and thermal optics. True. They uh, they might not, well, they will not survive if there's a strong enough EMP, but it also depends on the antenna length too, right? Because, for example, like even red dots uh, for red dot sites, same same thing. They'd be susceptible, but depends on what kind of uh, container they're in. Depends on, you know, sometimes stuff in garages versus out in the open would be affected. Uh, but the, the electrical antenna length on those things are really small. Yeah. So hopefully they survive. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Or get a spare set and put it in a Faraday cage. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what else we got on the list here? Fuel is another one. Uh, engines of carburetors. Yeah, so if you have a carbureted engine, it also has like the old point system with like a distributor cap and stuff. Yep. Motorbikes. Okay. Yeah, a lot of yep. motorbikes would be okay, uh, like especially the old vintage bikes and stuff. But as soon as you start introducing like electronic gear shifting and you know fuel injection and everything else, you're done. Yep. Start getting in the trouble there. I thought actually my quad was good uh, until such time as I realized that, yeah, it had an electronic shifter as well. So that's a problem, uh, but, yep. but it has a carburetor and it has like a point system and everything else, but it'll start at least it'll start. It'll run. <laughs> that's what it, uh, incandescent bulbs. So that's an interesting one with everybody switching over to led. Um, just remember they're susceptible, right? So your incandescent bulbs are still going to work. Your yeah. LEDs, nope. Well, think about your old uh, mag lights. Remember, they used to have the incandescent yep. bulbs, and they, they were switching all of them over from the Krypton to the uh, yep. LED. Um, yeah. Yeah, if you got that old uh, mag light, keep it handy. Yeah. Because it'll, be, uh, it'll be useful. And then, of course, we have to mention food again. Yeah. Just because. <laughs> <laughs> so how can we predict against all this? Ah, so, so building an EMP box or Faraday cage. So, so first of all, um, in the preparedness community, you're going to hear people uh, refer to it either by a Faraday cage or some will refer to it as an EMP box. Um, you'll get into all kinds of arguments with people in regards to what to call it, what it is, what it isn't. The whole idea of it, no matter what you're going to call it, the idea is to protect against electronic items from the EMP, right? So you, you want to Make sure that your radio or whatever electronic device it is that you're trying to protect is not affected by the pulse if and or when it happens. Uh, so whatever you want to call it, call it. That's fine. Whatever name you want to give it, doesn't matter. It's going to have the same, same idea, same principle behind it. So some popular items that people will use, because these are things you can build at home. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be something you can purchase. Of course, you can purchase them um, from retailers online. They, they are out there. They are available if you want to go that route instead of building your own. Uh, but if you do want to make your own, um, some popular items that you will see mentioned are galvanized garbage cans, uh, microwaves, don't use them, uh, and ammo cans. Yeah, um, so... I was going to say the, uh, the microwaves, just to explain why. the um, I think it was a couple guys online actually had a, a video about how microwaves will you know block signals and stuff. But the frequency of these EMP different than what a microwave will block. Yep. So the little screen on the front is still like a wide open thing as far as EMP is concerned. Because yep. it has to be more of a solid metal. Yeah, so yeah, you are going to see microwaves suggested online. Um, if you want to try it, well... If an EMP comes through, come back and let us know at feedback <laughs> at the podcast.ca. Um, but we're, we're going to suggest that you not use a microwave. But uh, galvanized trash cans and ammo cans are other th items that you'll see on uh, YouTube videos on how to make them and such. Um, seems like a better idea. The, the whole idea, it doesn't have to be a trash can. It doesn't have to be an ammo can. It can be all kinds of other things. The key is it's going to be a metal conductive box uh, on the outside. And it's lined on the inside with a non-conductive interior layer. Um, so the idea is that the EMP will travel along the outside of the box and not penetrate into the box. If it doesn't penetrate into the box, it's not going to fry or, or zap or whatever word you want to use the devices that are inside the box. Um, yeah, so the non-conductive materials can be anything like glass, plastic, anything that won't conduct electricity, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you want to make sure that it's in there and it's it's good and tight uh, lined inside the box. Um, you don't want any cracks or, or openings or, or any way for the electricity to or the, the EMP to make its way into the box. Um, so it, it does take some, some attention to detail and uh, making sure that everything's sealed properly because one little crack 
is opening you up and making you susceptible to having your devices fried that are in the box. So taking your time is certainly something you want to do. Um, one of the major things that you want to look out for is sealing. So once you have your box made, um, you want to be able to have a proper seal on it. So you'll see a lot of the time um, for the galvanized trash cans specifically, uh, it'll be suggested that you just um, take aluminum tape or, or preferably copper tape, it's a bit of a better conductor, and just tape all the way around the lid of the trash can and tape it to the body of the trash can. And then that way you've got that lid sealed off. Um, but at the same time, there's going to be times where you're going to want to access your items that are in that trash can or in your box um, and taping it closed. It's just simply inconvenient. You can open it, you can cut it open, um, but it just becomes a pain, right? So if you're not planning on accessing your box or taking out the electronics that are in there, if you've got like a, a backup set of uh, like a, a radio and a backup set of like a, a tablet or whatever it is you're looking to, to save and you don't ever want to access it until an EMP happens, then the tape route's not ever going to be an issue for you. Well, plus you can wrap extra layers of stuff over top of it. So this yeah. is where the tinfoil comes in. Hey. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, you can make a hat. Yeah. You can make your hat and then you can actually yeah. like wrap it around the box as well because you know, extra layers is actually going to yeah. increase the efficiency of the Faraday cage. Um, exactly. And like you said, it's, it's basically just the equivalent of like an, an airtight you know, bomb shelter for electricity. Yeah. So yeah. Now, if you are looking to gain access to those devices or they're going to be ones that you're going to be using from time to time and this isn't a close the box off, put it in the corner, never look at it again scenario, you can make uh, a seal um, and you can do that with different ways. Um, I've seen it where they've just taken like a, a piece of foam or a piece of rubber and then put um, the aluminum tape around that and then taped it along the seal um, so along the, the edge of the garbage can lid and then you put the lid on and it creates a seal there. And then that foam with the conductive tape around it is still going to conduct the, the energy and it's not going to allow it to leak into the can. Um, I've also seen some commercially available uh, seals as well. That's how you can purchase. Same idea. They've just been mass manufactured for sealing up the, uh, the ammo cans and the, the trash cans. Uh, but the, the whole idea is you want that seal to prevent the EMP energy from leaking into the can or into the box or into whatever it is you're using. Uh, because as soon as there's the ability for that energy to get into the box, your devices are zapped. Um, so the way I kind of think of it is you're preventing, uh, it's almost like thinking of preventing water from getting in through that seal, but it's electricity. And you just want to make sure that it's a good tight seal. It's a conductive material that is sealing that off. Um, and then in theory, you shouldn't have any issues and your devices should still be good if uh, if an EMP was to happen. Yep, absolutely. Oh, quick uh, thing, uh, uh, Bane Ironhand mentioned the kerosene lanterns. Um, absolutely, mm. yeah, kerosene lanterns yep. are EMP proof as well as the low propane powered ones as long as got spare mantles and everything else because it stop fire, so. It does not stop fire, that's correct. <laughs> you know, uh, mm. Older diesel engines, good point with that from uh, Jeff. Uh, they will, if they have non-electronic injectors, they'll run apparently. Uh, yeah, and plus, of course, they work on compression, so they don't, versus the spark plugs, they don't require like a magneto system or an electronic ignition system. Yep. As long as they have compression on the cylinders, they're going to fire. So, yeah, diesel engines obviously have a, a little bit more resiliency against EMP, and unlike uh, what people would think, not every vehicle is going to be affected the same way from EMP, depending on where the electrical antennas are for the certain things. Yep. Uh, they did some testing back in the early 90s, I think it was. And surprisingly, it was only about 30% of the vehicles that wouldn't run. The rest of them wouldn't run, but we're missing like a heater, one did have a defrost, and one, you know, there's actually like a, a different result. That is something. But, uh, oh yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, uh, Bane Iron has another uh, another comment here about uh, if you get tinfoil on sale and wrap a quad in tinfoil, it'll be fine, or do I need a really big trash can? Um, you need the tinfoil and you need an insulator between the tinfoil and the quad. Yeah. yeah. Although it would look really cool though. Really. It would. Yeah. <laughs> you'd, you'd stand out if you tried to run it down, uh, down main street. Yeah. Certainly there's going to be a break between where the tinfoil ends and the suspension begins or something. So that's a problem. Too. Yeah. Yeah. That's an issue. Yeah. Uh, I'd go with the, instead of a, a big trash can, I'd probably go with a, a custom built box of some sort. Or a custom built steel shed. 
Ah, yes. Ah, there's that because as long as the steel wraps all the way around and you have a, you know, a, like a, the floor won't matter because it's going to be away from the EMP source. <laughs> but uh, as long as the floor is non-conductive, you're, you'd be okay. Uh, he did bring up a good point as well that you can hand uh, usually turn start the diesels, meaning like I roll them downhill and get them going. Oh, good point. Yep. So yeah, just like the old uh, old Tacomas and stuff, I used to have. Uh, I could just roll them down the hill and just turn the key or turn the key and start it if the battery's dead. Yep. Same idea. Yep. And that way you don't need your electric starter. Mm. Good point. Just park it uphill. Yep. <laughs> uh, what else do I have here? Yeah, like I said, the tricky part is going to be getting that seal. That's the that's the tricky part. Is as long as you can figure out a way that you're you're happy and you think you've got a good solid seal on whatever type of box it is you're you're building, whether it be a small little uh, Faraday box or EMP box or just a a handheld portable radio or you know a little laptop computer or something, or if you're building one uh, big enough for your ATV, and if yes. you want that seal proper, then you're gonna have problems. That's pretty much it here. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm planning on on trying to build one of these myself in the next little while as we renovate and move stuff around. So if I uh, if I do end up building one, I'll I'll put a video up on the, the YouTube here and let everybody know how it went and what I think went well and what I think didn't go well and help some people out maybe building one themselves. Cool. Yeah, and I did put a list here of some books to. Uh, to get you thinking and uh, if you have a look at our support page at uh, prepperpodcast.ca slash support there's a couple of links to uh to amazon there for these books but one is uh, one second after and one is a uh, chaos erupts so they're just uh get you thinking a little bit they uh they're all based around emps happening and get the uh get the mind flowing a little bit and if you do end up purchasing them through our link we get a little bit of a, a kickback it helps fund the show so it doesn't cost any extra to use the links either Cool. Uh, there's a couple ones available uh, uh, for free on the internet as well uh, via streaming sites or whatever. But I think the second one, uh, "Lights Out" by a guy called Half Fast, as not opposed to Half Fast. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, so it's just called "Lights Out," and his name is Half Fast. And then the other one is uh, "77 Days in September," both dealing with EMP. And uh, one guy ended up walking home uh, across a good chunk of the states after. Uh, uh, the EMP took out his airplane, actually, like he was just trying to travel yeah. home. So, yeah, 77-day uh, walk for him. Um, I threw in a bunch of old notes from the previous EMP episode into the show notes as well. But, actually, this is where the listeners are going to have to come in. So, we kind of talked about this twice, but we don't want to start repeating ourselves too much. So, if anybody has anything they want to ask or get us yeah. to cover, we'll take questions or whatever, and we'll look them up as best we can and see what we can come up with. Yeah, and if you want us to expand on previous episodes as well, we certainly can. Um, you know, we're all learning here as we move along, and and as we record episodes, we're of course still refining things and learning new things as we go. So, if you want us to expand on on past episodes, we're we're happy to do that as well as we have with this uh, with this topic. Cool. Podcast challenge um, time. Let's move into the podcast challenge. Yeah. All right. So tell you what, uh, we're going to try and ask our listeners to build a small Faraday cage, anything from an ammo box, garbage can, whatever. Pictures or it didn't happen, but uh, yep. it is certainly an easy, small, and cheap project to do. Uh, even if you just have a spare bit of like uh, insulating styrofoam or whatever, and or an ammo can, just uh, show us what you came up with. I mean, we're always looking for ideas ourselves. Well, absolutely. And keep in mind that ammo can is going to have a rubber gasket to seal the can off. You're going to want to find a way to make that conductive because it's not going to stop the, the EMP from leaking in. But uh, it is a good spot to start with a seal. You just got to figure out a way to do the conductive thing with it. Uh, let's move to upcoming events. So we've got uh, TACCOM Canada 2020. It is still delayed until April 23rd to the 25th, 2021. Uh, so you can see details uh, for the show. The ticket link is on the website at uh, prepperpodcast.ca. Uh, look to the right there and there will be a link. Um, you can't miss it. Big black square. It says TACCOM 2020 on it. Um, I'm just uh, plugging these guys hard because they only had like a month to do it this year and they're going to be almost done here in another month or so. So please attend a Maple Seed event if you can. Uh, some basic marksmanship skills are taught and it's a fun time had by all. And uh, yeah, they're going to be doing a bunch of stuff next year providing nothing else goes haywire. Uh, yeah, fade it out there a second there again. The, the website's mapleseedrifleman.com. 
my yeah maplecrifleman.com and like i said uh, funds had by all a good basic basic marketing course and honestly i got to tell you it's um i'm glad i went and you know i didn't get much chance to talk about it last week cuz i was kind of fading in and out as well but uh no definitely worth my time to go and great people teaching it and yeah i can't say enough good things about it so awesome and we'll do one final shameless plug for uh, prepperpodcast.ca slash support. Uh, new page that I just set up uh, between the last couple of episodes. It's got a bunch of Amazon links there. Um, check it out. It's stuff we're going to keep adding to it. It's things that we figure um, the listeners would be interested in. Uh, might help you out with your go bag. Might help you out with uh, education in the form of books or other tools. Um, the links will take you to the products. Doesn't cost any extra to purchase the products, but Amazon does give us a small little kickback for uh, sending you to them to make the purchase so that goes to help keep us running here because uh, there are bills to uh, to pay to keep the podcast running you got any shouts i do not right, i got one for the uh, traveling prepper welcome to the island he uh, just moved there temporarily because of the covid so uh hopefully he'll be able to get some uh some good uh, conferences going and come up with some good idea exchange so nice oh all right, well, we'll move into some email iTunes, and uh, I added Facebook reviews as well because we've been getting a lot of uh, Facebook messages recently. So. Okay, hopefully I don't fade out for this. Oh, lost you already. I'll read yeah. it. Uh, so we've got a, a message here from Tim. Uh, it says, hey, I've recently discovered you guys. I like your podcast. Uh, pretty cool stuff. So I guess uh, I'm what you would call a noob on prepping. Uh, I've always kind of liked the idea of doing it, but wanted to maybe get your opinion on what to have in a vehicle if you are wheel or power chair bound, uh, or maybe even have some but little movement extremities. What could a person have uh, with them to maybe help them in an emergency breakdown or whatever? Uh, Also, opinions on maybe what to have for dogs as far as supplies, or is it worth trading your dog to help in a situation? Uh, Myself, I have a walker. Uh, a coon dog, very good dog for all types of hunting. Uh, thanks in advance. So that's a great, uh, a great thing to, to ask. Uh, you know, there's, it, every situation is different. Every person is going to have the, a different, uh, a different thing that they're going to have to prepare for, or different situations they're going to have to think about in regards to how they're going to put their preps in place. Um, so certainly, being wheel, wheelchair bound or mobility. Uh, issues as far as being able to move quickly is yeah it's, it's going to be something you're going to have to build into your preps for sure um, as far as something to have in your vehicle uh, you're going to want to make sure you've got an extra an extra way to power that device that's going to assist you in moving around or, or getting mobile um, so whether that be some extra battery banks for the device that you are, are reliant on uh, or having a way to charge existing battery banks is, is obviously i would think is going to be a priority um, and again, depending on where it is you're located, if it's a, a hilly area or somewhere that's going to take a lot more power to get around, you're, you're going to need to, you know, have a, a way to charge your batteries more often. Um, maybe a way to um, manually move the chair if that's something you're able to do. Uh, you might want to look at maybe having a, a chair that's uh, able to. I don't know if it's it even exists one that can be powered electronically, but also manually um, operated. Like you, know, you just a lightweight chair, maybe like a, a yeah. backup lightweight chair. Um, there, there's certainly that. Like he said, a charging way to do it. But a second way to call. I think we lost you in. Ah, oh, uh, how, about, how about a second way to call for help other than a cell phone? Yeah, that's a good one for sure. Yeah, absolutely, a way to get a hold of people. Um, yeah. Um, Let's see here. And also, as far as the dog goes, um, well, I think my wife would rather trade out me than the dog. So, uh, <laughs> you beat me to that one. Yeah, no, I, I'd say keep the dog no matter what because I mean, biological sec- security is awesome. I mean, they yeah. they sense and smell stuff coming along before you do. They yeah. are excellent judges of character when it comes to people's intentions. Um, they don't eat a whole lot compared to us. They are twenty four seven security. You know, obviously the hunting aspect you mentioned, the fact is they can help you gather food. Yeah, uh, and you've already you've already built that that trust relationship with that animal. Um, so why give that away? Yeah, no, I, that's a that's a, a last to give away thing. Is the dog? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and uh, being uh, being Iron Hands actually got a good point here in the live chat. Um, 
this would actually be a really good topic for a full show. Yeah, that's actually that's a good point. We have to, uh, but look for we'll look for suggestions on that because I mean, yeah. not being overly disabled myself, and I'm not trying to be that guy. I'm just saying, yeah. um, I I can't appreciate what a lot of these people go through. So yeah. I think there'd be a lot of yeah, we we'd have to definitely uh, do some research and maybe talk to um, some experts in the field as far as mobility goes, and. Uh, and see if we can get some some opinions and, and some information from from people that actually deal with these types of devices on a daily basis, and it will turn it into a full topic. Yeah, I was just thinking about like hearing and uh, and vision problems too. That that could be a thing. Yeah. Too, so yeah. No, we'll we'll write that down for sure. Yeah. Uh, at least we've, we've gained a couple of things to to think about, Tim. And uh, yeah, we will uh, start putting some show notes together for uh, for a future episode. And I'll reach out. I'll shoot you a message on on Facebook Messenger there when we're uh, ready to to put the show out there and. Yeah, actually, I think it's a great idea for a topic. I didn't even consider that until uh, just now. Mm. Awesome. Well, with that, um, I will bring episode 82 of the Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or, of course, your favorite podcast app. Please help us out. Submit a review. It helps other people find us. All right. We record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the show, please subscribe to YouTube channel Canadian Prepper podcast and click on the notifications tab. That's going to give you alerts when we're going live. You can reach me directly by emailing me at theoutofdefeat at gmail.com. You can also find my Canadian Patriot podcast on iTunes and YouTube, recording Monday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. There you can find us discussing why government waste and society makes me yearn for the Carrington event. (laughs) You get me every week. Yeah. Uh, So please check out uh, Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com. You can get me there on the live chat uh, while you're buying some prepper gear. Uh, you can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. So uh, thanks for joining us this evening. And until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. <laughs>